previously on My Best Friend's Journal. I'm here with my friend Mike, who is a virgin no more, more. Are you back on the horse, as it were? I don't know. I've got a record. It's usually one and done, and then eight months later, we'll check in again. I was terrified of HIV. Um, It was just terrifying thing that no one really talked about. Prep and information have eased my anxiety on that front so much. I'm on prep now. I don't have much more sex, but I feel much better about it when I do. Mm-hmm. U.S. women's national team is in a full legal battle to try to get equal pay because they fucking sell out stadiums and they're making <laughs> literal pennies on the dollar to the men. Like some of the women have to have a second job. She was just talking about this award they won. It was an Innovation award. Like a big innovation award. Yeah, but they took it away from her when they realized the nature, quote unquote, of her sex toy. They didn't basically realize it was a woman's sex toy. Everyone who deals with these issues, how can you not get so angry and just be viewed as an angry feminist and angry anything? Is she a gay icon in the making? She is. uh, She's very country and that's not. Hello, Dolly Parton. You are totally right. Reba McIntyre. I take it back. Five years ago, he got a book to hold my private thoughts. And now we're gonna take a peek, grab a drink, or smoke some pot. Your private thoughts read aloud. How does that make you feel? I don't remember what I wrote. This shit might get too real. Nothing here is sacred. I'm haunted by my past. It's called My Best Friend's Journal. Let's start this damn podcast. Let's sing this name a little longer first. It's someone's favorite podcast. Yes, and the world's greatest podcast. Oprah's favorite podcast. Hello. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt your drinking. That's your fault. You have the record button in front of you. You saw I was drinking. Hi, everyone. I'm Cam. I'm Mike. And this is my best friend's journal. Oh, yikes. (laughs) Beautiful. That's what the people are here for, really. Mm -hmm. It's a strong way to start. Welcome to our podcast where we read Mike's journal to you sometimes. And sometimes just talk about anything else because God knows how many times we can read about me eating Chinese food. <laughs> Check the receipts. It's been a lot. It has. Um, how are you, Mikey? I'm good. I'm back to normal life. I feel like I've been all over the place lately and stressed and in good and bad ways. But just like now I'm back to my routine and thrilled to be there. It's kind of nice, isn't it? So it was nice. a really busy October. There is such a balance to be struck amongst I, I want to be excited and I want to have new things happening. But then when that is happening, I just want to be a little bored, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. I think that there are, um, I think that there's a balance, like you said, like a really exciting few things or a few weeks is, is a really nice thing, but then there's a, um, there's a limit, you know, you can't have something exciting every single weekend without feeling a little bit exhausted by it. Yeah. Yeah. Is and it you yin, were, yin you, yang? Is that what we call that? Balance. Sure. You were on planes, trains, trains automobiles. automobiles. Yep, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I am nothing if not productible. Productible. <laughs> I said that about you. This is my productible friend, Cam. I am in a weird space today. I'm having a hard time commanding the English language. Please do excuse. Uh, what have you been doing? What have you been up to now that life is back to normal? Um, just been at work. I've been editing podcasts and trolling Grindr. Great. Any luck? In fact, well, <laughs> it's a little early, but I think I might as well tell you right here what my gayest moment of the week was. I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you freshly fucked? 
Finally, for the second time in 2019, have made Whoopi. <laughs> oh, you've made Whoopi. <laughs> How very retro of you. Yeah. Um, you know what they say? Twice a year to stay queer. Yeah, that's exactly what they say. It's mm-hmm. definitely. Also, yeah, it's November, so. Twice, oh, fuck. Twice, oh, my God. The year's almost over. <laughs> twice in 2019 is a pretty low bar. I'm proud of yeah, you. Yeah, but it happened. Thank God. Thank God is right. I'm really proud of you. You're glowing. You're proud of me. I'm glowing. I'm pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> Not pregnant. Not for lack of trying, though. Oh, my God. No, I don't. You know this about me. Condoms always. Uh-huh. No. It's a load-free zone. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> I don't know if there's something with <laughs> What? Um, there has... Mom, it's been a while, but please fast forward. Literally I... too late. <laughs> There has never been a load. <laughs> oh my God, we are but moments into this episode. But moments. <laughs> <laughs> there's never been a load inside me. I mean, there's always been a condom on if that's going to happen. That um, is very safe sex. I think that is a beautiful lesson to Rare, ever. though. Rare, yeah. I think people, I mean, once you're, I guess that's the difference there. Once you're with someone who you are comfortable with and feel safe with and whatever, then it's a different story. But I'm not often in that position. They used to call that being um, fluid bonded, I think. Um, I might look that up. I think that is a term. term. Maybe a term that came out of the um, HIV crisis uh, after people found out the status of their partner and they made the choice to have unprotected sex. um, (laughs) They would become like meaning like we have exchange fluids. We are now fluid bonded. Might have to look that up for clarification. Someone might correct me, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's something that I remember from my gay my education. Oh, nice, well done. That's Thank so you. scary. Thanks, thanks to my sister in law who coined that <laughs> phrase. Gonna keep beating that drum. Um, just like Joe Biden. Yeah. Um, do you hear that thing? I don't know. He keeps saying that at his rallies. He's like, I will beat him like a drum. Couldn't sound older. So congratulations, <laughs> you're 75. Couldn't sound older. <laughs> <laughs> um. I just, not just, but last year I read a book um, called Body Counts. A friend of mine gave to me when I was heading off for the cruise ship as a little goodbye. It was very sweet. I hadn't talked to this guy in a long time. We were like high school friends and he just happened to be around and came to a goodbye party. Gave you a gift? Gave me two books as like a little goodbye when I had a little uh, farewell party. Um, Such a sweet thing to give to someone who's uh, packing (laughs) packing their entire life into two suitcases with a weight limit. Here, have some literature. I did think that. I was like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. But then I I did read the books and one of them... um, I was not a fan and I really wanted to be get into that in a second. And the other one was this awesome book called body counts by please look up the author of that. It was really good. It's really heavy, but he talks about all kinds of, he basically was HIV positive for many, many years without getting himself tested. He kind of knew and didn't want to know. Um, I won't go into his whole story here, but it's Sean Strub. Yes, it is fascinating. He is this amazing HIV activist. He started um, the advocate. I want to say magazine. Really? Yeah. He's wow. Want to fact check that for me? Yeah, we have the power of the internet. Uh, okay, so Sean Strub is a writer and activist who is a director of the Cero Project, um, a national network of people with HIV combating, combating stigma and injustice, the mayor of Milford, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and the owner of Milford's Hotel Faucher. I have no idea what that means. And what magazine? Was it The Advocate? Oh, no, it's Pause. Pause. Yes, he founded Pause Magazine. Yeah. Anyway, um, book is great and his life is fascinating. He 
talks about all the celebrities he comes across and his activism. Anyway, the point is that I read in that book about what you were talking about, the fluid bonding. Fluid fluid bonded. Fluid bonded. And that's the only other time I've come across um, that vernacular. Yeah. Um, Interesting. It was a whole different culture with gay men and sex before the advent of all the you know, HIV medicine and technology we have nowadays. Drug therapies and, and prep, uh, which we've talked about prep on here before, haven't we? Have we? Um, I think in an early episode, but um, just in case we haven't or we have new listeners um, that are here for their education, if you will. Um, prep is a really important thing. It's a it's an important drug therapy. Prep stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. I say always, that again. <laughs> it's a really hard thing to say. Pre-exposure prophylaxis. Say it again as your street urchin. Pre-exposure prophylaxis. <laughs> um, Do the rest of the episode as the really, street urchin. I'm not. I don't need to make. Shouldn't <laughs> probably make too much light of that. But um, it is a recommended drug therapy for any uh, sexually active gay man, and it is um, largely believed to be the thing that will end HIV in uh, in America and maybe around the world if we can get the drug to everywhere where HIV is an epidemic. Yeah, as a, a non-committed sexually active quote unquote i guess you are sexually active i am fucked ladies and gentlemen ladies what's wrong with you (laughs) um i'm on prep and it has eased yeah we have talked about it because i've talked about it easing my mind so much i used to have such anxiety over the possibility of contracting hiv which is pretty low anyway with precaution but it's just another precaution you can take and uh anyway it's eased my mind and i highly recommend it for everyone speaking of which i Need to re-up my prescription. There is a new prep drug I was just hearing about the other day. Um, It is one of the biggest arguments against prep is that uh, over long-term use, some people become susceptible to um, kidney damage or low bone density, apparently, with one of the drugs. And uh, the makers of of the most common prep drug, which is uh, Truvada, they have come out with a new version, which has – it's just a different – um, combination of the same two drugs, but a lot less of the one that can cause long-term damage. So it's wow. even safer than ever. It's amazing. It's uh, like anything you give it attention and publicity and money and you can keep improving until it's near perfect. Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, take prep people. Take prep. It, <laughs> also, it, if you have a friend that's going to be going on a cruise ship, maybe give them like a Kindle gift certificate <laughs> instead of two heavy books to take with them. <laughs> They're going to say, give them a prep prescription. <laughs> like, I guess so. No, I'm really hung up on the idea that someone's like, here, throw these in your carry-on. <laughs> Nothing makes me more angry than trying to pack books when I'm trying to travel light. I did think that, but they were great books. Oh, so not they weren't great books. That one book was fantastic. The other one he gave me, I thought was going to be so good. It was... um. David Rakoff, is that how you say it? Oh, yeah. Uh, who I want to love because I love David Sedaris, I love Augustine Burroughs, I love these like gay autobiographical authors. Did you ever hear him as a contributor on This American Life? He was a fascinating contributor. No. He passed away a few years ago. So yeah. it's like a long time ago. He did all this writing in the style of Dr. Seuss, but more mature themes, but like this kind of whimsical, rhymy way. It was, it was near... Um, near genius or maybe oh. you would, it was genius and the way that he delivered it he would always read it in his own voice it was, it was pretty fascinating well He's... i i had high expectations for him mm-hmm. because he he is so similar to like david sedaris who is also a lumped frequent, in together yeah, with, yeah frequently contributing to this american life as well or npr in general uh-huh. and it just was like trying so hard to be funny and it just wasn't and it's a little more arty too i think and a little, a little more heady like i it's not my style of, of reading at least stuff of his own that he's read on this american life is not something i would sit down and read i would not want to sit down and read in that style 
Anyway, we're usually here to tell you the things we love and want you to go listen to. And here I am saying, don't go read David Rakoff. <laughs> but it- do read anything by David Sedaris because that man is a fucking genius. I'm reading Calypso right now, his newest one. Oh, I didn't know he had a new one. I'm so he excited. Does. He is one of those people I look up to as far as like career aspirations go. I love his humor, his wit. You could, you would be a beautiful essayist. You're a really good writer and you're, you're like quippy like that. Thanks. I've got a dream of writing a essay style book. Someday. You've got all this content. Uh, what else have you been consuming? What else is... Uh, Cock. Oh. <laughs> uh, you are just living it up, aren't you? Just very proud of yourself for having touched one for once in your life. For once in my life, I got big dick inside me. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Something I've needed so long. <laughs> are you done? For once I got something. <laughs> oh, what a weird cut. <laughs> So anyway, I'm I'm happy enough to be singing about some D, which is a lovely thing. <laughs> Speaking of butt sex, what is your gayest moment of the week? Gay, 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 gay. I mean, not even that, to be honest with you. What? Uh, I'm have... calling Peter right now. <laughs> like, get home. Cam's in need. <laughs> Sorry. Can you imagine? <laughs> Cam's in need. You need to come home from work right now. Cam needs to get some. I don't think he would respond very well. <laughs> also, Probably not, which is reasonable of him. It was one of the straighter weeks of my life. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> oh my god. We have one straight listener who's like, you have to be nicer to straight people. I'm like, eh. Oh, who said that? Uh, Jordan. <laughs> Tell Jordan to f*** right off. <laughs> He's listening. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Love you, Jordan. Um, Jordan's a Disney pal. Also, uh, I hope our straight listeners take it with a grain of salt. It's a very gay podcast, and we're happy you're here. Mm-hmm. And we're happy you're here listening to all this queerness. So get used to it. <laughs> Shit. She's belligerent. <laughs> um, yeah. I I mean, to be very honest with you, this week was a lot of manual labor. Um uh, I mean, I had to... I ordered two dumpsters and spent like three... <laughs> Is that why you called me here? <laughs> when I invite you over, and I call I call it ordering a dumpster. Let me see if Michaela's available too. You said you need two. <laughs> um, <laughs> no actual physical big dumpsters for the driveway. I've been doing a ton of um like landscaping work and have just Ew. been. I know. And the other big highlight of my week was going and doing a. CrossFit competition, so it's just Ew, it's been butch around here, boo. Are there any gay people at CrossFit with you? There absolutely are. Oh, good. And a lot of fabulous, strong women who mm. I really enjoy. Say I'm fabulous again. Abs fabulous. That's gay. I'm absolutely not going to sit here and talk about CrossFit because no one likes to hear about that. Oh, yeah, but I um, encourage you to move on. <laughs> <laughs> all that to say, it's been a pretty butch ass week. It has not been nearly gay enough. Went shopping for plants and made Peter go to Lowe's and Home Depot in one day. My dream. Oh, his you know actual nightmare. You're going to make our friends over at Plant Daddy Podcast really happy. Oh, that's true. They're gay and they deal with plants so plants are gay ergo it's like a math rule right is that the transitive property transitive of property. homosexuality <laughs> hey plant er- daddy pod if you're into horticulture check them out uh i uh gay horticulture Ho- gorticulture horticulture help us someone it, yeah. help uh yeah so i mean i'm really kind of coming up empty as far as gayest moment of the week i've had a pretty like dirty straight boy week <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say it but like I, that. I mean, literally covered in dirt, dirty. <laughs> it's okay though. I think not every not every week can be rainbows and sprinkles. You know, we are we are just we are gay people, but we're also just people. That's true. I do feel like I should uh, I should try to pump up the gayness. Pump, 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 
No. It's <laughs> pump, pump the jam. That's what it was. Why your feet are stumping. I do want to pump up the gayness a little bit in in my experience. Oh, I know something that was a little bit gay. While I was out doing all this um, all this manual labor, I was catching up on my new favorite podcast, Dolly Parton's America. Oh my goodness! I just listened to the first two episodes of that last night, and I am obsessed. I love. I and almost everyone else loves Dolly Parton. That is um, one of the things I learned in this podcast that she. Have you heard of the Q score? Oh, you must have oh, heard I, that. I have because I listened to the podcast. But yeah, describe it for the people because it's fascinating. Uh, Q-score is just a way to rank um, celebrities, brands, all that kind of stuff with a basically a popularity score. It's how well, um, how respected you are, how esteemed. And apparently Dolly Parton is like number one or very high up as far as celebrities and brands across the board. For comparison, Beyonce was number 52. 52 yeah wow i thought she was still quite up there that's that's such a disparity yeah um dolly parton's one of those few iconic people who can just really bridge the gap in a divided america which is kind of what this whole thing is about it's about how dolly parton is she her mass appeal is just shocking and the way she got here is also fascinating yeah she is an amazing human which i i really didn't know much about before listening to this podcast i knew you know of course that she wrote i will always love you And Jolene. Jolene, 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 Jolene. I didn't know that she was such a feminist icon. And as I say that, I bite my tongue because in the episode, Jad asks her if she'd consider herself a feminist and she cringes. I just live my femininity. I mean, I'm not a... People say, are you a feminist? I say, I don't know. I don't know exactly what that means. I'm proud to be a woman. I'm proud to be a woman in business. I'm proud to, to do what I do. But I like to just live it. I like to be an example. And that is... So hard to listen to. Yeah, but it's, it's tough. That is so generational, though. Um, I, I mean, anyone from... Not anyone. Many women from that generation, especially women from the middle of America um, that came up in the 60s and 70s, feminism is such a polarizing term. They talk in the podcast about first wave and second wave feminism, um, and there is a sociological concept that is presented that Dolly Parton is the quintessential third wave feminist, even though she doesn't consider herself a feminist. Because uh, there's first wave feminism, which is like suffrage, pretty much. Like, let's be able to vote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same basic rights in society. Okay. Um, second wave feminism was in the 60s and 70s when uh, we had like the Gloria Steinem's when everyone was cutting their hair and burning their bras. And they were they were rejecting things that were considered outright feminine, saying like, your ideals don't, you can't force me to be a certain way. So second wave is like pushing against feminine norms to try and... I guess assimilate the genders, sort of. Uh, yeah, to, to minimize the the inherent differences. Um, and then they're saying, you know, third wave feminism is uh, uh, there are characters like Dolly Parton that will uh, really lean into their femininity and use it to their advantage. You know, she she talks very openly about putting her boobs out there, you know, and mm-hmm. walking around in high heels and and this little waist and big hair and mm-hmm. the, um, having uh, using that to her her advantage. And we should say really quickly. We are two gay men talking about feminism. Mm-hmm. We are happy to be proud feminists, um, but our perspective is very limited to yeah. the two men sitting in this room. So, um, to anyone that you know, this is falling on falling on your ears strangely hearing two guys talk about feminism. Please don't mistake it us for being experts on the topic. Well, we don't have the lived experience, but I don't think that excuses anyone from being a feminist. I, 
all men should be feminists as well. Um, and I think, like you said, we can only speak from our point of view. Yeah, my my big fear is coming off as too mansplaining about something that Absolutely. we don't have experience with. But similar to straight people supporting the LGBTQ movement. Another podcast, uh, Hidden Brain. I just listened to an episode about uh, gay rights and how gay rights moved much more quickly than any other huge push for rights um, in our modern history, much quicker than than the rights of people of color or women who are still fighting much harder than than the LGB, LGB community has to fight right now. Um, <laughs> that's, that's very fair. <laughs> um, but he, they, they go over arguments about why that's the case. In, in the process, we hear about marriage equality and how a lot of gay men were not interested in marriage equality because marriage was a straight person's thing. They mm-hmm. didn't want, it was kind of like these um, women in the second wave pushing away from um, the norms given to them by society. The, um, the implements of female torture, as they called them. Pushing away from the implements of female torture. <laughs> in a way, there's similarities. Gay men didn't want to be a part of marriage as a heterosexual institution. They wanted their own existence. The person who really spearheaded marriage equality, I forgot his name, was basically saying it's not about your opinion um, whether or not gay people should buy into marriage. It's about the, the symbolism of equality. By and- being able to do it, you are... That is a way to move towards equality. You yeah, know? it's not about your opinion on the the institution of marriage, which a lot of gay men saw as outdated and not even something they wanted to touch with a ten foot pole. It's about your right to do it if you want to. That's a, it's it's a very different thing. In his process to try and get marriage equality, he was saying we need straight people on our side because, and a lot of gay men were like, I don't want to deal with the straight people as far as this is concerned. It's not about them. It's about us. Yeah. But his point was, well, the lawyers fighting your case and the people. Um, on the court judging your case and the legislators writing the laws are mostly going to be straight people just the same way that unfortunately in the society we live right now the people deciding women's rights are mostly men yeah and that that in and of itself needs to change but because this is because of the structure we already have we have to work within those guidelines so we need those men to be feminists that very well put very well put um i remember once long ago when i was working at a gay restaurant in Chicago. Um, probably shouldn't name drop it, but um, I was Hamburger Nancy's. <laughs> yeah, when I was working at Hamburger Nancy's uh, in Andersonville in Chicago, I was uh, I, I was waiting tables, and I had this couple of older gay men uh, sitting at a table, and they were very nice. They were. Um, it's it's kind of a strange thing to think that it was like that. I just accepted this as is appropriate behavior, but they were like gay men of a certain age who were like very handsy like i was like wearing a tight t-shirt and i was in my mid-20s and they were just like very flirty (laughs) i'm not helping i'm like oh go on (laughs) (laughs) but do you know what i mean like the the fact that we kind of and i don't even know how i feel about it if i if i feel poorly about it because i could have i could have shut it down if i wanted to but um it's this like we allow have uh, as a community as a gay community we allow older gay men to be a little bit lecherous these are the kinds of guys who would grab my ass if I was walking through the bar, like as a, as a waiter, I, I got felt up all the time by people there. Um, not ever in a sexual way, not in like someone trying to like actually like someone would grab my ass in like walking by in tight jeans all the time. Like these old gay men that live in this neighborhood in, in Chicago. I will, I will so, argue that, uh, it not being in a sexual way, whether or not you think their intention was to go take you home. That's just it put that in a different circumstance, imagine a straight older man and a young female waitress. Even if he didn't intend anything by it, it's the action is still assault. Yeah, it's it, it's 
gross behavior. And I, I will say that I, it made me feel uncomfortable, but in the kind of way where I would just roll my eyes and be like, oh, that old guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Never, ever examine that until this very moment. Should probably spend some time thinking about that. Yeah. I've, um, I've never worked. Sorry. To, I, no, I've never, it's okay. Um, been in that situation at a, you know, at a restaurant job or anything like that. But I have had, uh, especially after shows or on ships or whatever, older men like rub shoulders and do weird, creepy things like that. And I have always felt very uncomfortable by that. Um, so I can't imagine if it's in a day job, how, how you become numb to it. You know yeah, what I mean? It was, yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, it's, it's a really strange thing because we had a really eclectic mix of, uh, it was pretty much straight women, lesbians, trans women, and gay men. Very few straight guys is what I'm saying, but like a, a very diverse crew crew of, um, both, sexuality and gender and uh also race you know so it was kind of it, diverse within the lgbt community yeah exactly well put um you're, you're just really distilling wow. the things <laughs> i want to say today um so yeah we had this, this kind of interesting crew of people um and we worked in this in a neighborhood it was andersonville in um chicago which at one point people called girls town as a response to boys town you know there's boys town in chicago but this is where all the lesbians live now it's where all the kind of um non-party crowd from the lgbtq community has moved like the family people are people that want a little calmer existence (laughs) um does that make sense yeah it's hannah gatsby's dream yes there's a lot of a lot of lesbians pushing strollers can i uh all that that reference real quick if you haven't seen hannah gatsby stand up it's amazing go check it out on netflix but she talks about having no examples of the the gay people who don't want to party and and rage the only example she saw as a child of gay people was gay pride parades where everyone's going nuts she's like well i don't fit in there or with straight people where do i go she needs to go to andersonville she goes to that neighborhood yep (laughs) Um, that special is called nanette by the way it's excellent um completely second that recommendation so anyway uh we had we would have all these these older gay guys and it was a safe space it was a gayborhood um and i just it I accepted it as the behavior that, that we just kind of dealt with. You know, we were encouraged to wear tight t-shirts and short shorts and we were, uh, it was, and it wasn't like a Hooters, like, like a, a restaurant as they will say, you know, the place where you have to look a certain way and wear tight clothes. Like you didn't have to, you could, we had plenty of people who, you know, you could get whatever size t-shirt you wanted, but mm. you know, the, the young gay guys knew that it worked in our favor and there's kind of a culture of that there. You're kind of blowing my mind here because I'm, I don't often hear this in terms of gay men, but I'm I'm like as you're saying these things, I'm picturing it for women. And how how long was that? Is that the case for women who? That's where Me Too came from. They're like we're all quietly accepting this, just like it's part of the culture. It's just yeah. it's just the way the older generation is. It took someone to be like, hey, this is happening to me, and it um is really awful. And then having someone else say, oh, literally Me Too, and having it spread from there. I think that. Also, though, within the gay community, there's a, a an added layer of complication in that we look at older gay men, uh, gay men that survived the HIV AIDS crisis that have really made the gay culture that we know today. And we owe them a debt of gratitude for a lot of what they've done um, as a as an older community for making it safe for us to be young gay men. And so um, I think that there is kind of an attitude of we owe them a debt of gratitude for a lot. And so we will excuse behavior at um at, at like a restaurant or a club in, in a safe space that is that is in innately gay there's a difference between uh reverence and respect for and i owe you something so i guess if you're gonna touch my ass it's okay yeah I, i've never examined this and it's kind of strange to be having this discussion on mic because i don't want to make any over generalization right now i'm just like I'm, I'm again just, we're like, speaking from our own points yeah. of view and that's all <laughs> we can talk about i know i'm getting a little sensitive about I, oh i don't mean to um make you feel 
any which way about how your interactions went. I just think it's it is so enlightening to hear as as we put it in this context with feminism and yeah. Me Too, how uh, gay rights and gay culture has a correlation to feminism the, and well yeah and and the the culture as you know as a whole um like it's a microcosm um it, it is its own thing but it also reflects what's happening at the on the larger conversation all of this to say i, I referenced those guys in passing and now i'm like it's all i can think about um but really quickly bringing it back this table of old slightly lecherous gay dudes who i was just putting up with them and their flirty ways uh, as their waiter this was probably 2013 2014 while the uh, marriage equality debate was raging in america but um the supreme court hadn't yet voted is that the right year yeah 2013 2014 yeah, um, 15 was the vote yeah um and they were they were having these discussions and these old gay guys were just like why the fuck would anyone ever want to get married why are we having this discussion just wow. really vehement about it and that was that was when like i rolled my eyes once too far i was like it's not your business whether or not I want to get married. Like you don't get to make the decision for the whole, the whole younger generation that, that marriage is only worthwhile for straight people. Like that, that is, there was this huge divide in how they saw it. I was like, I don't care if you hate it, but shut your mouth. Like don't fight against it. Don't go like screaming from the rooftops, you know, to everyone that you meet that this is a stupid fight to have. It's a bad sword to fall on. I was grossed out. Would it be fair to say, okay, gay boomer. Yes, it sure would be. I by the way, that's the best response in the world. Okay, gay boomer. No, okay, just, boomer. Okay, okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. I like I hesitate because I do it literally brings me joy. Beat him like a drum. Couldn't sound older, so congratulations, <laughs> you're 75. But I uh was in the same podcast where I was listening about gay rights, uh we it is compared to other um, disadvantaged groups and talks about senior citizens and um, ageism and I'm thinking about that I'm like well there's there is a group of people who have fucked our lives so badly but I, I on an individual level how am I gonna go to you know an individual boomer and be like this is your fault you know what I mean so okay boomer gets um, precarious <laughs> it does I just I enjoyed it so much as a, a clap back because that generation in general can suck 10 bags of dicks. I, in general, there's individuals who don't need to suck any dicks unless they want to. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I once uh, disparaged boomers in front of my parents without really realizing where the generation line was. I thought it was kind of above them. And I was like, oh no, 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 never mind. I'm talking about you and your people. They like looked at me kind of with blank expressions, like does not compute. What what do you have against the boomers? <laughs> it's kind of fun Ooh. to like to be... It's really just kind of the start of the new generation in power. It's like we, it's mostly boomers in Congress, uh -huh. and we now have a couple millennials. And we are, are we? What's our Gen the, Z? No, we are millennials. There's uh, Gen X, which is above us. We are millennials. What's um? Gen Z is behind. Is it us. literally millennials, boomers? Is it no, no, no. Between no. Gen, Gen X. Oh, and okay. maybe and maybe one before that. Actually, there must be one before that because Gen X was like people that came up in the. Um, in the 80s. Why do we hear so much less from them? We hear a lot about millennials and a lot about boomers. Well, boomers are the people that have like that have had power for a long time. Um, and millennials are the first age, the first generation to come up in the technological age fully. Oh. Um, and so it is a, I think there's a huge gulf between those, um, between those generations. And it's people that are now of electability age as well. So it is like you can't. Is Buttigieg Gen X or a millennial? I, 
think he's Gen X, but he might like kind of walk the line a little bit because he's he's what like thirty six? Thirty 37. So okay. he's probably a uh, tail end of Gen X. Anyway, I was just going to say one quick thing about the the generational divide. Like there are not two generations that are so starkly different. Like think of like an AOC next to a Mitch McConnell. Like that's oh, that's Christ. The, <laughs> that is how different things have gotten. Good and, versus evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which is why um you know, uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are, I'm like, good for fucking you. You guys are boomers. Uh-huh. And they are amazing. They yeah. get it. Yeah. One cannot vilify an entire generation of people. That is an insane thing to say. But there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of ideals and a lot of like mass kind of ways of thinking that can come out of a generation that does not, especially when that, as that generation ages, that does not age well with them. Way back to Dolly. Oh my God. We're back to Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> Longest intro ever. <laughs> Fuck the journal. We'll get there if we want to. <gasps> Fuck the journal, he says. Oh, how times have changed. This thing is far and away Mike's most prized possession. I mean, he treats this book like gold. My house was on fire and inside was my passport, my dog and my mom and my journal. I would grab the journal. <laughs> That's hateful. I'm enjoying chatting with my best friend. Yeah, great. I'm here for it. Um, she says that she doesn't like to be called a feminist because... She doesn't like to demonize a whole group of people. And in this instance, the group being men, she said a few bad apples should not be a reason to hate a whole group. And I'm like, no, no, no. That is the generational thing. That's not what feminism means. To an older generation, people see say feminist and they think man haters. My mother would say feminists hate men. And what it really means is that believing that, that women have the same rights as men. And so that is a huge like linguistic issue because like on all of the levels of what it means to be a feminist, Dolly checks all the boxes, but the literal language, but when you say, when you use that word, that vilified word Hmm. that, that people hated so much, no matter where they sit ideologically. Um, I think that feminism feminist, the word feminist is going to be a really tough label to sell them. Um, because I mean, Dolly Parton came up in the sixties and seventies in Tennessee, um, where, you know, among many conservative ideals and whether or not we consider her a feminist, um, as society has no bearing on whether or not she considers herself one because she has a preconceived notion of what that word means. And a lot of women of a certain age believe that same way. I was just watching the office and fucking Phyllis. (laughs) Sadness herself. Yeah. She, I love Phyllis. Will Ferrell is on at this point and he's uh, being accused of being a sexist in the office and he's approaching everyone about it. And Phyllis goes, she begins her sentence with, well, I'm not a feminist, but I do think dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Come on, Phyllis. It's fucking like 2006 when this was filmed. I'm not a feminist. She had to qualify with that. And she says, but in order to say a feminist point. Uh Uh-huh. And, God help her be, being a feminist. And was she being earnest about that? Like it wasn't a yeah. joke or anything? It was no, a, an like, earnest a, moment? Yeah, it was no joke. <laughs> it's just like, I'm, I'm not a feminist, but I do think we should be paid equally. Or no, I do think we should have an equal voice here or something. Uh-huh. You're a feminist, bitch. <laughs> Things not to say to a feminist. <laughs> First they said we couldn't dance, then said we couldn't drink. And unless a man allowed it, they said we couldn't think. They said we shouldn't speak. Till we were spoken to Well there was just so much back then We weren't allowed to do But the first bite of that apple I guess revealed the truth That's when Eve got smart And that's why Adam don't 
Before we get away from Dolly, get away from Dolly, it's been 47 minutes of Dolly as the anchor. <laughs> Not by the time you cut out half of that conversation in That's the edit. True. It's been six minutes. <laughs> Since we are, you know, mostly a gay podcast and we are talking mostly. About, <laughs> we're talking about this icon. What do you think makes her a gay icon? Oh my God. So many things. Give me two. Okay. Um, I will say raw talent which we've talked about before how um, gay men tend to be uh, drawn to women who are considered um, divas or just like the the best at their craft women that are incredibly successful i mean she gets on stage and plays like 20 instruments and does a three-hour set as she says plays at huh she says plays at because she uh, yeah, is, like she, humble she, like she doesn't play them she, well, she, she goes what will i play at 20 instruments <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no you fucking play them if you can perform them at the fucking hollywood bowl you perform you yeah. know you can play them she is so insanely talented and i mean not even that one of my favorite dolly parton facts is that she wrote i will always love you and jolene in the same night that's fucking bonkers can you imagine she's like she is a savant Uh, she is so insanely prolific and has the talent to back it up on stage live and i think that is so appealing to uh, the to any audience but but gay men will quickly divify a woman for being that talented you know what i mean she will she will live on as a legend for for forever for gay men um and then also, also kind of draggy <laughs> that's what i was gonna say really? yeah oh, okay. she has this this amazing um, ability to be shamelessly feminine in a way that i think gay men just love for the same reason that we love drag queens i mean she wears wigs and corsets and a pound of makeup and she is what does she call herself backwoods barbie she is like so happy to Cost just under look this cheap yeah she's she's happy to be that way yeah. and she's got this strong badass bitch quality to this tiny like four foot nothing woman with a squeaky voice i mean it is remarkable what she and i'll give you reasons on reasons on reasons rhinestones <laughs> nine to five steel fucking magnolias i That's mean true. there are too many things that play in the gay community that she's a part of for her to not be a goddamn legend true dad listen to dolly parton's america yes i, I just love her voice too i love her, her speaking voice it's so soothing to me it is it's sweet yeah whoo it's good shit all right are we done talking about celebrities and feminism is there any other we are not oh, um... oh <laughs> you had a checklist today Fully artist. I was curious because at the beginning of this whole thing, you said Dolly is the great unifier, which is, I think, the reason that podcast is out right now because we are in the most divided America that at least anyone in our generation has known. But we can all agree on Dolly Parton. We can all agree on Dolly Parton. I wonder, one of the reasons that we give this um, quality to Dolly is because she says in this podcast, forgiveness is all there is. There's a whole story about it, and she like really... Forgiveness is a light word for how she treats those who really treated her poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really astonishing, and she has this like great capacity to to love and to treat people with kindness, even if they have not given it to her in turn. Yeah, it's a, truly remarkable. But it reminds me of the recent uh, Ellen and George Bush debacle mm. because Ellen's touting the same message all the time: kindness, be kind to one another, be nice, forgive, speak, uh-huh. whatever, and she does that with george bush she i guess forgives him i don't know she's in public with him she made a statement by showing up to a leisurely football game with george bush who 
was, you know, actively against her rights as a human being. Yeah. The, What's the difference? Why? The, well, the difference is, is exactly what you're saying. So Dolly is, is touting forgiveness and, you know, the, the ability to, I think we give her a lot of credit because she bridges a gap. She bridges a gap, a gap between rural America and literally everyone else, you know, like, like so very few things can do. Ellen DeGeneres, yeah, people love her and she is the happy face of daytime television for sure. But she also, I think she made a serious misstep there. I am, I am all here for the criticism there and I think that her apology fell really flat on my ears. Uh, and not even apology, explanation said that I can be friends with whoever I want to be and, and friend, you know, friendship should transcend politics and all these kinds of things. Disagree. And uh, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I have, I, I disagree. Depends what you're calling politics in my opinion. Sure. And yes. And that's, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have lively debate with my friends and, and even disagree with them about a lot of things. Not when it comes to my basic human rights. Right. And George fucking Bush was president during the height of the modern struggle for for equal rights. Um, you know, before Obama took over and in, in, in marriages in the Supreme Court, we were having a national discussion about basic human rights. And George Bush was fully for an constitutional amendment against Ellen DeGeneres' rights. She was married in California. This is, it's around the same time as Prop 8. This should be top of Ellen's mind. This was the political landscape when her marriage was nullified in the California courts. And the president of the United States had enough pull, was going out there and saying, this should be constitutionally illegal for you to have the basic equal human rights as straight people. And then... 15 years later, 20 years later, whatever the fuck it is, she's sitting at a football game with him. And I think that this is also a, a moment of extreme privilege because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Ellen is a rich white person sitting at a fucking NFL game. I mean, the optics of that are bad enough. The NFL is this awful, corrupt, misogynist, homophobic, racist, tax yeah. evading, <laughs> like everything that we as you know, liberals stand against. She's at a at an NFL game. I'm sure a lot of our listeners love football too. So just think about that when you're watching the NFL. And I, and I love a good a good football game. I do. I love. I will sit down and really really enjoy it's it. Fun. It's just the, the organization. The is NFL as an organization is is a bullshit organization. And she's sitting there next to a war criminal who worked actively to take rights away from her and saying. Oh, it's just about being friendship. Be nice to everyone out there. I'm pre I'm practicing what I preach. No, that is not the same issue. That is a absolute logical fallacy that you're saying I'm preaching, be kind to everyone out there, and therefore I can sit next to George Bush. That does not track for me. It is like the most powerful man in the world who is using his platform to speak out against her rights. And and call that what you will as far as um as far as that being his, you know. Those are his beliefs, and that's, you know, he has his right to his beliefs. I, I mean, yeah, everyone has a right to their beliefs, but you don't sit next to public enemy number one for your cause. So funny. Why, the whole time that he had power. Now that he doesn't have power, we can be friends? That's bullshit. Now that he doesn't have power, and now that number 45 is in the White House, people look at George Bush and a whole different... Everyone's like, oh, what a sweet old uncle man. It's so funny. We He's the doofy old uncle. Yeah. Now that... I mean, now that he has been fully one-upped in evilness, uh -huh. we're like, eh, he wasn't that bad. Yeah. You, what a state are we in to say, eh, George Bush wasn't I know. that bad. And so many people, too, like to make the point, like, oh, he was actually being kind of like puppet-led by the people in his cabinet. Like, I, that... Just the fact that he was dumb about it doesn't make him okay. I It is... So upsetting to see 
the the amount of privilege that we'll give like two members, Ellen and George Bush, they're two members of a very elite and powerful class of humans. The Illuminati. <laughs> If you will, <laughs> they are these, you know, they are, they're two white billionaires that are there sitting at like pretty much a billionaire's boys club. Like Ellen was lucky to get in the door there and sitting there, you know, having the time of their lives, like nothing else matters just because they are able to be there. I mean, she hangs out with former presidents who can say that. So Michelle uh, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, and all this to say, I don't hate Ellen. I don't think that she's actually a villain. I think that she was really short-sighted in this moment. I think she preaches a lot of good. She does a lot of good, and I really appreciate that about her. I don't think that she's infallible, and I think she stepped in a bucket of shit this time, and she didn't do a good job of explaining herself or apologizing for it. Nobody's infallible. We catch everyone at some point, except for Oprah. We're waiting. <laughs> I don't think Oprah would sit next to George Bush in an NFL game. I don't think she would. But I, I can't imagine Oprah has been completely correct about everything her whole life. But we're, we're, waiting, we're waiting to see. <laughs> Anywho, should we get into the journal? <laughs> Mike, we're either going to have to cut most of that intro or, I mean, what if we didn't read the journal at all? What if this was like an all intro episode? Would you say it was just the tip of the episode? <laughs> I would say that, yeah. JTT. JTT, just the tip. Do you ever play just the tip? Yeah, for sure. Did you? Oh, yeah. I mean, a million times before I actually got it all the way in. It hurt a lot. Yeah, the tip is hard. The tip is should be hard. <laughs> it's really hard to stuff a, a <laughs> stuff. And man, have I tried. You ever try stuffing a semi up you? <laughs> up ya. You ever try to put a semi up ya? <laughs> Ew. It's true, though. You know, when you're like, you want it, but someone's like not fully. It's like trying to get spaghetti in a keyhole it's trying to stuff a pork sausage spaghetti in a keyhole cooked spaghetti yeah cooked spaghetti would fit in a keyhole <laughs> you wouldn't have to really stuff it how big is your b-hole very, i've asked you that on this podcast before. butthole very big penis very small <laughs> very small and very limp <laughs> <laughs> well that's gross okay um well this is called my best friend's journal so i'm gonna read one damn entry if nothing else Okay, well, we're in January of 2014, if mm. we'll remember. January 22nd. Lovely. My sister's birthday. Really? Yeah. No, oh, you didn't write that down. Sorry. Did I write yours down ever? Did you ever write mine down? Yeah, right. <laughs> um. <laughs> Ooh, bitter Betty over here. <laughs> All right. Um, Steve's class. Again. Sang, sang Live Out Loud with Seven People on Top of Me. That's a 10-year-old girl song. It's the um, from A Little Princess, the musical. It's the lead girl in that. That's the song I sang. Date at Garces with Joe. Garcia is perfect Mexican in Philly. Oh, so oh Garcia's. Oh, God, Mexican sounds good. Nice, but I'm not into it. Jesus Christ, how many times have we had those words? Specifically, I don't know, but... Between it, after dates, I'm pretty sure every everyone uh, you've dated in this has been nice, but I'm not into it. Well, I hate Which, everyone. I mean, choosy moms choose Jeff. I appreciate it. Choosy moms choose Jeff. <laughs> Introduce me to Jeff. Did I tell you? I was at work. This is my second gayest moment of the week um, when... My manager behind me was, I don't know why he called this guy this, but he was like, um, yeah, Big Dick Nick's coming in. And I like overheard that and just shouted back across the restaurant, oh, Big Dick Nick, introduce us. <laughs> How do you still have this job? No one knows. Foul mouth, <laughs> just ignoring customers, flouncing around. <laughs> no, I'm not good at it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not for lack of skill, but for lack of caring. Yes, that's, that'd be it. Um, 
I don't remember much about this date, although I'm horrified that I went on a dinner date. I do remember the dinner was great because Garcia's is good and it was restaurant week. So we had the hook up. Oh. But yeah, so great. Restaurant week in Philly. It's where it's at. Go visit tourists. Great. This episode brought to you by Tourism Board Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you hate dinner dates? Um, it's A, it's a big commitment. I'd rather get a drink or coffee like we've talked about where I can bail. It can be as long or short as you want. And you can oh. move on to something afterward. Okay. You can get yeah. dinner if you've once you've met, you decide that's fine. But dinner is going to be a solid hour. Yeah. Then there's that whole question of the bill between two uh-huh. gay men, which is a little bit awkward sometimes. Yeah. Although I'd say I pretty frequently it's just split. easy to split. Yeah. 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 Um, that's the hard and fast rule that you learn pretty early as a gay man. It's just like always go have these unless someone really wants to treat you and then let them. Um, all right. Well, that's about all the time we have this week. Um, okay. Well, if you want more of my best friend's journal, we are never going to get through this year if we keep this up. Uh, Mike, where can they find us online? They can find us on all social media at MBFJ Podcast. Nailed it. You can email us at mybestfriendsjournal at gmail.com or you can check out our website, mybestfriendsjournal.com. Boom. Nailed it. So proud of you. And please, if you um, made it through this episode and weren't mad about the lack of journal, rate, review on iTunes, subscribe, tell your friends, trying to keep it gay, bring your best homos. Yeah. Really appreciate that. Um, And if you are mad about this episode with uh, little to no journal in it, let us know. We're always here trying new things. And one very last new thing. Uh, Christmas is coming up, which we're both kind of thrilled about. I'm a little upset because I'm in the Christmas mood early and it's going to expire well before Christmas. No, so. I'm going to keep you fluffed all the way through December 25th. <laughs> My family's staying at Cameron and Peter's house while they're gone. So I'm going to get to enjoy all it's of this. It's not just your family. It's you two. <laughs> we're not airbnb it to your mom and sister. <laughs> I'll be elsewhere. I'll be camping in the back. Um, I'm going to get to enjoy the beautiful gay Christmas uh, decorations that Cam will undoubtedly have put up at that point. You need time to plan all that. Time to be tacky. Yeah, for sure. Tacky. No, you can do a beautiful, classy Christmas. Okay, homo. Make fun of me all you want. We both know I love Christmas. No, you do. That is not the news, though. That's not the news. Yeah, sorry. It's weird that we would get off the rails like that. We're not not normally... So rare. I'm going to stray from the conversation. Uh, I say Christmas to let y'all know that we've been uh, asked about merch for anyone interested in getting gifts for friends and fam that listen to the pod. Yeah, um, I got to rep that MBFJ swag. So we are working on some swag as we speak, and we are going to post that on our social media. We will connect the link anywhere you can find us. You'll be able to find the merch. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be some fun stuff we're cooking up. Just, uh, know that it's coming. And if you have any great ideas for stuff that you would love to see, let us know. Can't guarantee it'll happen by Christmas, but, uh, you know, if this merch thing works out, we'll, we'll just keep on selling it. It's kind of a fun, a fun thing for us. And we're, we're flattered that you're asking for it. All right. Well, this has been a long and strange episode. So until next time, always remember. Jolene, Jolene, (laughs) Jolene, Jolene. Nope. Excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) If we're going to do Dolly, we're going to do it the MBFJ way. I got you. Dolly, 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 Dolly. That's too high. Can we try a different key? Ugh, fine. Dolly, 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 Dolly. Parton is a national treasure and a gay icon. And tits for the gods. For the gods, I say. (laughs) (laughs) I think I like the first key better, by the way. Yeah, me too.